Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. You glad to be here? You excited to be here? Did you come expecting? Did you clean your ears out this morning real good so you can hear? Good. It helps to have some clear passages right there so you can hear what the Word of God. Because I've sat in church a lot of years and the Word was preached, but I didn't hear it. It just went shot straight over my head. Went on out the door. People still do it every Sunday all over the world. We need to hear the Word and absorb the Word. Amen. We had a men's conference this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We had a good time. A lot of men came out and supported it. Some didn't. The ones that didn't, we'll see you at the women's conference next month. Today we're going to talk about this. <clears throat> Come up here yesterday and stayed in the office most of the day, and um, I think I got a you know a word for us that's in season, and uh, the title is uh, "Sell Out or Sold Out." Sell out or sold out? Are you a sellout or are you sold out? Because there's a big difference in being a sellout or being sold out. Big difference. Elijah, there's Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah's the oldest uh, prophet, and he, I'm talking about miracles, and he's going around doing all kinds of things, and Elisha is with him every step of the way. Elijah and Elisha. Elisha's a younger one, and he's with Elijah, and he gets to see all these things. He gets to see all the miracles. He gets to see all the supernatural things, all the mighty deeds that happens. And uh, Elijah is fixing to be taken up. He didn't go by the grave. The Lord took him up. And Elijah, uh, Elisha knows that he's, he's going. By the Spirit of the Lord, Elisha knows he's going. And if you read all the scriptures, and if we read it all, we'd be here for a while just reading. But uh, uh, Elijah is with Elisha, and they're in Bethel. And Elijah tells Elisha, just stay here. Just stay here in Bethel. And Elisha said, I'm not going to stay here. I'm staying with you. I'm hanging on tight. You can't shake me. And then they're in Jericho. And Elijah tells Elisha, just stay here in Jericho while I go. He says, I won't. You can't shake me. I'm not leaving you. I'm going with you. And then they're at the, the Jordan. And he tells them again, just stay here while I go. And he says, I, I'm, not, I'm going with you. I'm staying with you. I'm going with you. And that's important because what I got out of that was, he says, I will not be shaken off. You can't shake me off. And too many times we get in church and things don't happen like we want them to happen and we get shaken off. Don't, 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 let, don't let life shake you off. Don't let certain circumstances and situations come in and shake you off. you got to have a mindset, I'm not going to be shaken. You can't shake me. I can't be shaken. You know why? What we said earlier, there's victory in Jesus' name. I'm going to put my face towards Him like a flint. That's what it says in Isaiah, I think in the 50th uh, chapter. I'm going to set my face to the Lord like a flint. you just got to set your face to the Lord and say, I'm not going to be shaken off. Amen? So Elisha's following Elijah. And uh, Elijah has the mantle. And he's going to pass the mantle to Elisha, you'll see. And uh, some people in here, maybe their father or some people listening online, or I know some people whose fathers or grandfathers or pastors or preachers or teachers or 
evangelists or something and they, they, pass the, they pass the baton, they pass the mantle down. But not everybody gets that. Some people just got to pick it up off the ground. So don't, don't think just because mom and daddy didn't do it or mom and daddy lived this way or that way, that's okay. You can pick it up off the ground. My daddy wasn't a preacher. My daddy wasn't a pastor. My granddaddy wasn't a preacher or a pastor, but I am. And I've got a mantle. And I'm going to pass it off to about four of them. Amen? But he, had, he, uh, he takes his mantle, he, he, smote, he smote the water, and then they crossed over the water. And we're going to pick up right here, right after that happened. So it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, he asked, What may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, he's not asking for much, is he? I just want a double portion of your spirit, everything that you've done, all these amazing miracles, signs and wonders, supernatural, mighty deeds. I want twice that. That's exci- I see that and as, a, as a church member, you, you should be excited to the point where you say, I want more. I want twice as much more. I hope my kids look at me and say, I'm going to preach twice as much. I'm going to read the Word twice as much. I'm going to be twice as good of a man as my daddy was. I want them to be better than me. I want my daughter to be better than me. I, I, I say I want my boys to be better than me, and I want my daughter to be better than me, but she's actually already better than me, so there we go. Amen. But he's excited. Why does he want twice more if he's not excited? He's excited. So he said, You've asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall be so for you, but if not, it shall not be so. Now, you got, you got to get that now. He said, stay here. Now, I'm going with you. Stay here. Now, I'm going with you. Stay here. Now, I'm going with you. Then he crosses over the water. And then he says, I want a double portion. If you see me when I'm taken from you. If he had stayed there, stayed there, stayed there, stayed there, he wouldn't have seen him when he was taken. And he wouldn't have got it. That's why it's important to be here. That's why it's important to be rooted and grounded. You plant, you plant a tomato and let it grow for a week and pick it up and carry it across town and put it in another garden and let it grow for a week and pick it up and carry it across. you got to get rooted and grounded if you want to ever have a BLT sandwich or fried green tomatoes. In 2 Kings, so Elisha gets a, the double portion. And um, in 2 Kings, there's a man. His name's Naaman. He's a mighty army commander. He's very popular. He was very mighty, a man of valor, and he was a, an army commander. And but then he got leprosy. What do you do for leprosy? There's no healing for leprosy. And um, in one of their battles, they had uh, brought back a little girl from uh, Israel, from Samaria, I believe. And, and she was uh, a servant. And she said, hey, you, you, you need to go to Samaria. There's a prophet there. He can heal you. He can heal you of this leprosy. So Naaman um, went to the king and got permission and he goes. And when he goes to uh, Elisha, thinking that Elisha is going to come out and do something magnificent or wonderful, Elisha sends his messenger out to the man and says, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Well, Naaman's not very happy. 
He's a mighty man, uh, army commander, and I've came all the way over here, and you don't even come out and meet me, but you send your messenger out, and you want me to go dip in the nasty old Jordan River. There's cleaner rivers in the land that I came from. And he, was, he wasn't happy. But his servant said, if he had asked you to do a, a mighty thing, a great thing, a hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? Well, go ahead and do this easy thing. So he goes and he dips in the Jordan River seven times, and he's healed. He's, he, he goes in with leprosy and he comes out healed. You think about baptism. We're not talking about that, but you go in one way and the old man, the new man comes out. And he went in covering leprosy and he come out healed. His skin was smooth as a baby's rear end. We say that, but I've seen some lumpy babies, but, but y'all know what I mean. So, after he comes out of the water there, we're going to pick that up in Scripture. I was just paraphrasing. He returned to the man of God. So he turned to Elisha, and he and his aides came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is a God in all the earth, except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. He's trying to, he's trying to pay him. He's offering him money. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So he comes and tries to pay him. You can't, money doesn't provide miracles. You can't buy a miracle. You can't, you can't buy healing. You can't buy these things. They're actually a free gift from the Lord. You know why? Because Jesus went to the cross and died for each and every one of us. He paid for it. It's been paid by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? But he, he's trying to pay him. And Elisha says, no, you, you're not going to pay me. And so, we're going to pick up in 2 Kings, uh, in the 19th, and I don't have this on here. So, I'm going to read it to you. Then he said, go to him, depart in peace. Uh, Go in peace. So, he departed from him a short distance. But then Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, look, my master has spared name in this Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and I will take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot and went to meet him. He said, is all well? And he said, all is well, my master. My master has, he said, all is well, my master has sent me saying, indeed, Just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in his bags with two changes of garments. And he handed them to his two servants and they carried them on ahead of him. So Elisha said, no, you can't buy me. You can't buy it. I don't want anything. But then the man that was under Elisha, Gehazi, he went after it, didn't he? When he came back, um, he stored it away in his house. Then he let the men go and they departed. Now he went and stood before his master, Elisha. Said to him, Elisha said, where'd you go? Where you been? And he said, your servant didn't go anywhere. Then he said to him, did Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? 
Is it time to receive money and receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and uh, female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. Now, you see, there was a, an anointing on Elijah. He was a mighty prophet. Elisha followed in his footsteps. He asked for a double portion. And now Gehazi right here, he's with him. Every step of the way. He could have just stayed with him and clung to him just like Elisha stayed with Elijah. See, this story could be totally different. This story could go for years and years and years and then Elisha finally goes home and it's left now to Gehazi. Now he's doing mighty works and miracles even greater than Elisha, even greater than Elijah. But it doesn't end like that. Because he was distracted by uh, the he wants prestige, he wants power. He wanted prestige, he wanted power, just a little bit of money, just some money, some clothes, and some garments. You understand? The world we live in, everybody wants prestige and wants power. And he traded prestige and he traded power. He wanted prestige and power. Let me, let me back up. He wanted prestige and power, but he got leprosy. He got leprosy. So I was reading this story, and I was asking myself, what, what might have been? And I remember a song years ago, What Might Have Been. Does any of y'all remember that? It's a country song, What Might Have Been. Anyway, I had some friends in high school, and both their girlfriends dumped them the same week. And uh, I remember... I won't say their names, but uh, their girlfriends had dumped them. And, um, and that song came on the radio, and I remember they just took off running to change the channel. And I just thought that was so funny. Because what might have been, because their hearts were broken, what might have been. I thought about that yesterday, and I was thinking, what might have been if, if he hadn't wanted to trade the prestige and power really for the anointing? A lot of pastors and preachers do that. You hear about it. You see it on the news. They got caught doing this or they got caught doing that. And it's a sad thing. He could have been a mighty man of God. And I think it's just a lesson for all of us that uh, one day we're going to have to give an account for our life and what we did with it and uh, answer for your life. Amen? There's doctors that care about people's bodies. So much so they go to school for 12 years to become a doctor because they care about people's bodies because they want to heal people's bodies. There's institutions that care about people's minds. I know somebody that went to college to learn about that so she can help heal people's minds. There's institutions that do that. Amen? And I do care about your body and I do care about your mind. But um, I looked this scripture up yesterday. I I remember this scripture and, and looked it up right here. Here's what David said. He's, David right here, he's in a cave hiding because Saul's wanting to kill him. He says, look on my right hand and see, for there is no one acknowledges me. No one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. And this is the part that I got a hold of right here. No one cares for my soul. Nobody cares for my soul. In other words, I think human beings walk around today. Doctors care about my body. And there's institutions that care about my mind. There's this and that. But I need somebody to care about my soul. 
And I want to tell you, I do care about your souls. That's why I study the Word of God and stand up here and preach to you every Sunday because I care about your souls. Anybody that's listening online, I care about their souls. You should care about your soul and you should care about the souls of those around you. Care about the souls of your children. Care about the souls of your co-worker. It's important. You get one chance. Once they wave the old checkered flag, it's done. You don't get to come back and get a redo. Care about people's souls. Think about what the Lord's done for you and you should want them to experience what you've experienced. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, I do care. I hope you care. I want to exhort and encourage and teach and uh, say, Arise! Man can't, but God can. Good news. You can't, but God can. Amen. There's victory in Jesus' name. So what if Moses had said no? What if God said, I want you to go deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt? What if Moses had said no and he hadn't have done it? What if he got to the Red Sea and he said no? In other words, God's calling you to do something. How important it is to say yes. And don't say no. To say yes to whatever it is. But what if Moses had said no? What, what would, what, how, how would it have played out? What, what would it look like? What if Abraham had said no? What if Joshua was standing at the Jordan River? It's out of its flood. I mean, it's, it's flooding. It's out of the banks. It's flooding. And God said, hey, take the Ark of the Covenant. Walk out there in the river. Go stand in it. How silly does that sound? I'm going to take the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to carry it out there and stand out in, in the river with it. It's a flood stage. It's so wide and there's no way we can get across it. Well, if Joshua would have said no. But you know what? He didn't say no. He said yes. He went and stood in it. The river dried up 20 miles upstream and they entered into what's called the promised land. Amen. That's good news. What if Mary had said no? What if the angel came and she said, No, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this because I don't want to be ridiculed, made fun of. People are going to call me names. I'm a teenage girl and I'm pregnant, but I'm not married. This day and time, that's not really even a big deal. It shouldn't be, but it's not. People don't think much about it. And that day, it was big deal. Big deal. I don't want to go through that. No. No. God's had His hands on many people in the Bible. He's had His hands on many people here. He's had His hands on me as well. All of us who failed, but guess what? He's a God of second chances. The righteous may fall seven times, but they get back up. What if Billy Graham had said no? Mm. He stood in Coliseums and led ten and 20,000 to the Lord in one night. In just one night. There's no telling how many hundreds of thousands or probably millions people still get saved under uh, the message that Billy Graham preached because you can go and listen to them online. And there's even churches that have uh, organized and they hired a preacher. He's got to memorize the Billy Graham sermons and stand up and preach them. Now, I think that's absolutely ridiculous and it's stupid. But nevertheless, it's the Word of God going forth and people can receive it and get saved. But church going to hire you and tell you what to preach. That's something, isn't it? But what if he had said no? What if he had said no? Up in heaven, looking what I could have done, what I should have done. And I wasn't in the, in the hospital room, but I heard this from a reliable source that said Bear Bryant told the nurse in the hospital room before he went home to be with the Lord, he said, I had such a platform 
but I didn't use it for the Lord. I wish I could have. I wish I could go back and use the platform that God gave me to glorify Him. And He told the nurse that that was some advice He gave her. See, that's a what if. That's a what if. What if He had of? Or what if Billy Graham hadn't of? I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a uh, hundred years old or ever how old it'll be. I hope that the rapture is, is soon and I don't have to deal with any of that stuff. I mean, for real? Uh, come on. But if not, I'll, I'll figure I'll go about a hundred. And I'm figuring I'll probably be ready to go on by them. But I don't want to be laying there thinking what I should have done. Man, I wish I would have done it different. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. And I know there's people here that are 30 years old, 40, 50, 60, and you think, I should have done that. Well, guess what? You're right. You should have. I should have too early in life, but I didn't. But guess what? Start where you are. Start where you are. Don't look behind you. We're looking ahead. But there's still time. I mean, hey, lead one person to the Lord. You never know. That one person you lead to the Lord may be the next Billy Graham. You see? It's like playing basketball. You get an assist. Just to live life to the maximum. And I think we get a distorted view of what living life to the maximum is. It's, it's, it's not money, houses, and uh, fast cars, and, and different things of that nature. But living life to the maximum is living to your full potential in Christ and fulfilling the calling on your life. That's living life to the maximum. Amen? Now, i got a few things here. Um, how do I do it? Well, you got to love the praise of God more than the praise of men. You got to love the praise of God more than the praise of men. There were Christians, there were there were believers in the Bible. They believed Jesus, but in John the twelfth chapter, the forty second, forty third verse, it said, "Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. They believed in him." But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. There's people that here that do that today. We love some Jesus on Sunday. We're praising his name. We're driving down the road in the car, listening to it on your radio, praising worship. But then the next thing you know, now we're around some men. And now we want to act like they act. We don't want to be ridiculed, be made fun of by the worldly people. You've got to be more interested in pleasing God that should be more important to you, pleasing God, than being ridiculed by the world. You gotta have a you gotta have a I don't care attitude and have a standard. A standard that you're gonna carry around everywhere you go, and I don't matter who I'm around, I'm not gonna lower it down for anybody. And I was telling this story, I didn't tell the whole story Friday night, but I could tell a bunch of them, but this one particular time I went to watch a fight at a pe- some people's houses, and I went in, and uh, it was all men except for the man that owned the house. His wife was there, and there was liquor all out on the counter, whiskey. There wasn't even any beer. It was just all whiskey. They fixed to get towed up. And they're like, you may fix your drink? And I said, no. Why? I said, I don't drink. I didn't say I'm a pastor of a church. I didn't even bring that up. I didn't even say I'm a Christian. I just said, because I don't drink. And she said, she, well, she laughed. 
And she said, well, I'm sorry. And I said, don't be sorry for me. I'm thinking, I feel sorry for you. I found something better. Something way better. But uh, some people get in that, or say that to say this, some people get in that situation and, and you feel the pressure. What are they going to think about me? I need, I need to fit in with them. You understand? I don't want to ruffle any fish. I don't want to think I'm some kind of dorky Christian somebody. Being Christian ain't dorky. Being Christian's cool, bubby. You don't get no cooler than that. In fact, heaven's going to be real cool. That other place is not going to be cool. And just having an I don't care, you've got to have a standard. There's a country, another country song. Uh, got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. That's true. Talking about his daddy. His daddy taught him that. That's, that song's 20, 30 years, a long time ago. These days, he said, you got to stand for something, son, or you'll fall for anything. But you got to take a stand on this Word of God right here and the Bible principles and the things that apply to you and the promises that apply to you. Take a stand. Amen? I mean, we're going to move on. The next thing I got right down here, wrote down here is you got to love your master more than money. Love your master more than money. Love Jesus more than money. Do you need money? Sure. There's a difference between needing it and loving it. I need it. But there's a difference between needing it and loving it. You understand? The Scripture tells us that. In 1 Timothy the 6th, chapter the 10th verse, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith for their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's, it's not, money's not evil. Money's a good thing because you can help people with money. I mean, if somebody needs some money to pay their power bill and you don't have any money to help them with, then you're not any help to them. So money does help. You can help. It helps me every month. I go home every day and enjoy the air conditioning in my home because of money. And if it, had, if it weren't for money, I'd be sweating and fanning. Thank you, Jesus, for the money you provided me for a little AC. Right? But it's the love of money. In other words, when's it enough? Has anybody ever made a million dollars and said, well, that's enough, I just don't need any more and quit? No. They ever made a billion and said, well, that's enough, I just quit? Take our president, for instance, all the money he's made. Did he ever just say, well, you know what, $12 billion, I, I think that's good enough. No. He's still investing and still making business deals and still doing things and making more and more and more money. When does it stop? Because money's never enough. The only thing that is enough is Jesus. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 5th verse says, Let your uh, conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So uh, that's talking about money. Be content with what you have. You know why? Because what you've got is greater than money. You've got a Jesus that says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Because I've experienced money will leave you and it will forsake you. Because I worked a lot of years to build some up and it got gone real quick. But Jesus, he don't get gone. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Amen. And then Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, 10th verse. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. That's talking about money. He who, who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. Money won't satisfy you. Now, money's good. He'll buy you a truck. He'll buy you a boat and a truck to pull it. Now, Yeti... Ice down with some ice cold Coca-Colas. 
right? Or silver bullets, whatever you put in there, it'll do it. I don't suggest it. That's a song, another song for those of you that don't know it. <sighs> got to love the Holy Spirit more than popularity. You got to love the Holy Spirit more than popularity. There's some popularity messages out there. There's some churches that uh, preach messages or do things that are popular. You understand what I'm saying? Um, when we're more concerned about um, the culture. I'm really tired of hearing about all this culture crap, to be honest with you. I am. The Bible should never be bent to fit the culture. The culture's fit bent to fit the Bible. And you can, you can dodge certain scriptures and stay away from certain subjects because you don't want to offend anybody because it's the culture now. It's just what they do. Well, this Bible shouldn't be changed because of the culture. The culture should be changed because of the Bible. I don't care what's popular. You tell you what's popular? Knowing Jesus Christ, that's popularity. Eternal life, that's popularity. Amen. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to the sight of the Lord. You can't preach what's popular. I just recently, very recently, heard a man preach. And he said this. And I'm not concerned with being politically correct. And I'm not concerned with the culture stuff either. I just preached the Word of God. But the man stood behind the pulpit. He said, there's going to be all kinds of people in heaven. I agree. He said, there's going to be immigrants in heaven. I agree. If they accept Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, they'll be there. He says, there'll be Democrats right there too. I disagree 100%. Because if you can walk in there and check the box that says, I support gay men marriage and I support the murdering of a little child shedding innocent blood from a baby how does it get more innocent than a baby inside the mother's womb you're wrong I don't care how popular it is it's wrong and the man that stood behind the pulpit and said that'll never be behind that pulpit ever again rest assured that but it's popular it's cool It, it draws more people in when we say stuff like that, oh, okay, that means I can just do what I want. It's greasy grace. It's what you call hyper grace. Makes me mad. It's a lie. Some of you say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, there's a few that do know. You preach stuff like that, you're preaching without an anointing. You may have a, a, a thousand people out there listening to it for 50 years, but let me tell you, one year under the anointing is better than 50 years without it. We're supposed to be the salt of this earth. We're supposed to be the light. We're supposed to be the voice in the wilderness crying out. Amen. Amen. Favor. you got to want the favor of God more than you want the fame. Because Satan always offers the world. He always offers the world. And there's a little truth hidden in his big fat lie. There's always a little truth hidden in the big fat lie. That's why you can preach a lie from the pulpit. There's certain churches you can go to, they may preach some truth, but there's, it's, it, at the end of it, it's a lie. Y'all understand what I'm saying? 
The devil took Jesus upon an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. Get out of here. Take a hike. Leave me alone. Get out of my house. Get out of my car. Get out of my life. Leave my children alone. Get away from my wife. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord God and Him only you shall serve. In other words, He reacted with the Word of God. He responded with the Word of God. You should always respond to Satan with the Word of God. And Jesus stood on the Word of God and responded to Him. Amen? So He always offers the world. You think about movie stars, you think about rock stars, you think about all these famous people that are living in the world because Satan's offered them the world. I mean, they're on a... They're on a platform. Kids are looking at these athletes and these movie stars and different things. What an opportunity they have. But they've gone on. they passed on. Where are they at now? Where are they at now? What Satan offered them and they accepted the offer. Where are, where are those that have accepted the offer? Where, where are they at now? Hollywood's a big old fat lie. It's a lie. They clap for you one day just like they clap for Jesus one day, but you know what? The next day, they're wanting to stone you. They clap for you one day, the next day, they're crucifying you. That's the world for you. The world was clapping for Jesus. Then they turned around and said, Crucify Him! This world stuff is temporary, guys. It is temporary. But you know what? The favor, you got to love the favor more than the fame. The fame's temporary, but the favor is forever. Amen? There was a man. Let's read this. There's a certain man, a rich man, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fares uh, subtly every day. What the heck does that say? Sumptuously. I didn't, they didn't teach me that at Gardendale. <laughs> he fares sumptuously every day. Gets his getting along pretty good. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Dude's laying there. He's a beggar. Lazarus, full of sores. Dogs are licking his sores. Just get the visual. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried. And being in the torments of Hades, he was in hell, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his tongue, may dip, may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. He's like... Just, just, just dip your finger in the water and just put it on my tongue. I don't think I've ever been that thirsty before. I've been thirsty before. That's a whole different type of thirst. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there are a great goal fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from here there pass to us. Then he said, I beg therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. 
Let them hear them. He is begging them, please send somebody to my house so my brothers don't come to hell like I did. Please do it. Please send somebody back. Warn them. Let them know they don't want to come here. They don't want to be where I'm at. That's the cry. That's the cry. I don't want that to be my cry. That shouldn't be your cry. Certainly not from hell. But I'm talking about from heaven crying out saying, please send somebody. Because my brothers or my sisters or my co-workers or my friends are going to go to hell. But that's going to be the cry from hell. That's the cry from hell. That's the cry from hell now. Everybody's there saying, please, I hope. I wish. I wish I could have done it different. I wish I hadn't accepted the fame. Or I wish I hadn't lived for the things of the world. That's the cry from hell. I don't want to go there. I'm not going there. I don't want anybody to go there. People you love, your family, your kids, everybody that surrounds your life, people you work with, good people, good people don't go to heaven, safe people go to heaven. And I want them there. We got to live in the light of time. I mean the light of eternity, not the light of time. When you live in the light of time, it's like this. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine while I can. Get it while the getting's good. Because you got a mindset of you're only here forever how many years on earth and then it's over. You're living in the light of time, not the light of eternity. But you got to realize there's something beyond this that's called eternity and it's eternal. We're just here for a minute. It seems like a mighty long time. But in the big scheme of things, compared to eternity, we're here, Paul says, it's like a vapor, it's like a mist. Here one day, gone the next. And you've got to have a mindset of living your life like that. Amen? Praise team, y'all come on up. Or whoever's coming up, come on up. You've got to love the praise of God more than the praise of men. You've got to love your master more than money. You've got to love the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, the, the anointing more than popularity. You need to love the favor of God more than the fame of men. And you need to live in the light of eternity, not the light of time. Matthew the 7th chapter says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. Aren't you glad you're on the narrow gate? I'm glad I'm on the narrow gate. I'm glad to be one of the few. The few, the proud, the Marines. No, the few, the proud, the Christians, the Jesus followers. The people who have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the few that he's talking about. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. But there are few that find it. I am glad to be one of the few. Amen. Let me tell you, God's not mad at you. He's never... Jesus didn't go to a cross and, and die for you for the forgiveness of sins for God to change his mind. He's not changed his mind. You don't change his mind. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Loves you right where you are. Loves you right in the middle of your sin and right in the middle of your shortcomings and right in the middle of your mistakes. But he loves you too much to leave you there. I need to be like Elisha and carry it on. Pass it on. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. All you who are tired, all you that labor. And I'll give you rest.
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I just ask you this morning, come to Him. All you are weary and heavy laden, come to Him and you'll find rest. You'll find rest. You'll get your direction. You'll get your answer. You turn your face to Him like a flint and stay there. And be like Elisha and say, I can't be shaken. I can't be shaken. I can't be shaken. Nothing's going to shake me off this Word of God. We need some Christians that will stand up and not change our values and our morals and our standards based off a society that's around you, what's cool. Because like I said, what's really cool is knowing Jesus Christ. Real popularity is heaven. That's real popularity. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 